0: hello and welcome to the high ticket offer if you're a service-based business owner this is the podcast for you whether you're an agency owner coach consultant or other b2b leader we're featuring actionable advice and practical tips for scaling to seven figures with premium pricing and right fit clients Today's guest is a lifestyle architect. He has a passion for teaching others to leverage freedom principles so they can build a life they don't need a vacation from. A real estate investor, restaurant owner, explorer of 100 countries, and public servant, today's guest understands why and how life can happen for us, not to us. Maurice Philogene, welcome to The High Ticket Offer.
1: My man, it is wonderful to be here with you, Noah.
0: It's wonderful to have you on, Maurice. Just um, I've been following you on LinkedIn for some time. I think I first uh, heard your story on Jordan Paris's Building building Freedom podcast. I listened to that
1: last year. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah,
0: it was funny. I was, um, you know, I listened to a lot of podcasts and um, I can Mm -hmm. often remember where I was listening to a podcast and I was in a rental car in Reykjavik, Iceland uh, (laughs) at midnight in the parking lot of a grocery store listening (laughs) to that
1: episode. That's (laughs) awesome. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Somebody was listening to me in Reykjavik, Iceland. That's cool. Yeah.
0: No. So, uh, so I absolutely love your journey. I love what you teach and, and who you are, Maurice. But yeah. A great way to kick us off today, I think, for those <coughs> listeners unfamiliar, is take us on a journey back in time. You know, tell us kind of sure. your story, where you came from, your background.
1: Yeah, man, I'd be happy to. Um, so my name is Maurice Philogene. I am, let me, I'm going to start at the end and then work my way because it's it better for people to understand where I am today and yeah. then talk the journey. So I'm 47. I'm a dad of two. I am no longer in the W-2 world after having worked at a corporate firm uh, for 25 years, which is odd now because people jump from place to place, but I was at the same company for 25 years, Accenture. I retired in November of 2021, and I was also in the military for 22 years, retired as lieutenant colonel and federal agent from the U.S. Air Force in 2019, and then in 2008, so my my career journey started in 1997 after I got out of the university of Virginia in mechanical mechanical engineering. But in 2008, I added to all of that being a street cop in Montgomery County, Maryland, which is just outside DC. I did that for 15 years and early retired in 2021 as well. So I've had this crazy, uh, W2 journey, which was awesome. And, uh, my life has always been associated to real estate. I found real estate when I was 21. I got interested in it because I read the book, Personal Finance for Dummies, and it had a passage in there on passive income. And I started to understand that you could, if you could generate income without having to be somewhere, like that was freedom. And I had started traveling as a kid when I was 15. I wanted more of those experiences. How am I going to get it if I'm in the office all the time? Real estate, passive income... Hence, my real estate journey uh, got me to financial freedom by 2014 with single family homes. I got up to 35 single family homes, paid off a bunch of them, ended up with 18 paid off for about 160 grand of cash cash and passive income. And then lastly, I started a real estate investment firm. Now I buy apartment complexes all over the US with investors. We renovate them, operate them, give people nice homes, and then we'll sell them eventually. And so I run a large real estate firm now, and we have about two hundred million dollars worth of real estate.
0: One of the things that's really interesting about your journey, Maurice, and mm. you don't really see as much content created around it yet, it resonates with so many people. Is you were a W two for most of your life. Oh yeah, but that didn't all
1: of my life. Yeah, yeah,
0: but that didn't <laughs> stop you from intentionally designing. Your ideal you know. future and building wealth. What was your mindset like? I mean, you know, you were a cop, you were a federal agent in the military, um, mm-hmm. you worked for a censure, but you know, during that whole time, you never really live, you never became like a living for the weekend guy. You always had your mind on the long term. So what I just love to unpack, what was your mindset during that time?
1: Man. <laughs> Freedom, I I liked working the 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 notion that you are a W two employee and when you make money when you have the ability to make money let's say entrepreneurially or in real estate or you start a business or something the notion that you must leave W two I think is silly. I like what I was doing for the I love being a police officer that was that was yeah. that's an easy one I love being in the military Accenture or my IT stuff I liked it it was it was okay but the the pay was very uh, purposeful. Right. I could use that use that to invest. But my whole notion of this, this journey that I've been on relative to real estate and time freedom, financial freedom, geographic freedom, going around the world is just the notion of being able to do what you want, when you want, with who you want. You don't need... This notion that we need $20 million to be free or whatever is silly. What you need is enough passive income that your daily expenses are met And maybe a little bit more income on top of that. And then you have pure freedom to explore the world. And what ends up happening is you start meeting people like Noah. You start having experiences. You start getting entrepreneurially minded and doing more things. But in all of it, I was like, no, man, I see what's happening with this corporate rat race thing. Everyone is just climbing, 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 competing with each other, climbing, competing. Trying to get the biggest salary. And I was like, no, my salary is good enough. Let me just use this salary to invest in real estate because I know at some point in my life, I had this notion in my early 30s, I knew at some point in my life, I'm either not going to want to do what I'm doing, not physically going to be able to do what I'm doing, or the company is going to tell me it's time to go. And sure enough, in 2000, 21, early in 21. I got the vibe. I got the feeling. No one told me to leave. Okay. It's not like they fired me or something, but I got the vibe of like, "Mm, Mo, you're not moving up. Uh, You're pretty high salary after being here for 25 years. Like I was making 220 plus or something like that. Like we could probably bring somebody in and pay them 120 and they can do your job. You know what I mean? And they're right. They were absolutely right. So that's why I stayed on the entrepreneurial grind the whole time. And it wasn't just for the money; it was also to learn different skills, right? I owned in my time six or seven six restaurants and clubs. I tried to open a coffee shop that failed miserably. I did well in single family real estate, although the two thousand eight downturn kicked my butt. Um, I became a police officer, um, and now I'm doing large scale real estate and even developing real estate over in the Mediterranean. I don't like the idea of us get going up one mountain and just sitting there. Like I, p- Part of life, part of a designed life is staying in constant learning. I want to do new things. Now, it didn't mean I was toe dipping and just getting out of everything. I did everything for a very long time. But my whole thought process, man, was like, no, I want freedom. How am I going to get it? Part of freedom, those five freedoms I talk about, time, financial, geographic, purpose, me being a police officer... But one of the freedoms that meant the most to me was relationships. Yeah, And I have 30 countries I could probably land in that country today and a friend will come and pick me up. That's wealth, right? Yeah. So I, I I wanted to have that level of exposure to the world and be able to do what I want to do. And that sometimes requires capital. And I put myself in that position, but uh, I used W-2 to get it.
0: At what point, Maurice, did you did you design... A blueprint for your life because yeah. even across your W-2 journey, it's it you were very intentional about all yep. of the opportunities that you pursued.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not as like I have a very designed life now. I do. I wasn't so prescriptive. I was just going with my instinct on what made me happy. So for example, <clears throat> When I was at Accenture, when I was doing the IT work, I was typically working with federal government clients. But through my military work, I quickly developed, a, military and travel, I quickly developed a, a love and appreciation for international stuff. Yeah. So I wanted to do, Accenture is an international company, so I wanted to do work in international terms and have flexibility. So I there is there's a principle I developed called asking better questions what I did was I created a role. I created a solution for my company to support, not a problem for them to solve. I created a role. I found someone who was doing international work, a partner. I went to her, created that role and showed her how that role would help her generate more revenue. She loved it. She's like, hell yeah, come work for me. So I ended up working virtually for seven years, supporting international teams, flying to places like Finland and Nigeria and Norway. And I intentionally went after that. Now, here's the interesting thing. I was told, hey, that's going to be detrimental to your upward mobility in the company because you're no longer working for the federal government clients because I was in that practice. Yeah. I said, I don't care. I knew that the relationships would be more valuable. The experiences would be more valuable. The thing is, people think that uh, it was detrimental because they thought they think I was going after their version of success. No, I was going after my version of success, which was having experiences and being around the world. And I'm glad that I did it. So it's just people are afraid to take very intentional actions for things that they want to do, mainly because peers, coworkers, friends, and sometimes family tells you not to, or the status quo doesn't tell you that that's an OK thing to do. I was never worried about the status quo, man. I was always more worried about experiences, relationships, freedom.
0: How do you view W twos Maurice? Because, um, and then we can move on from this subject because there's, there's a lot of content out there, you know, escape W two prison. And I'm a business owner myself, but I I don't know. You used the traditional, you know, kind of Western W two concept to is a catalyst for freedom.
1: Yeah. I don't know why people have such a problem with it. Working is good, right? Working is good. It's part of society. I mean, you, you don't we don't have to do a W2 you can start a business from scratch and get going. but if you here's the way that I look at career yeah. A career is either a purpose being a police officer being in the military something that's meaningful to you A friend of mine is a civil rights excuse me an immigration rights attorney for a nonprofit so she's making like 70 grand. she could be at a private firm making 700 grand yeah. but she's executing her purpose. So a career is either a purpose and if it is you're winning or it's purposeful meaning you're just going to work to get those two paychecks. Now, the difference is what you do with those paychecks. And I was very systematic since age 21, after reading a couple of financial books, of storing money that I was making, always paying myself first. Robert Kiyosaki talks about that. The cable didn't get paid. The electric didn't get paid. The house didn't get cleaned. Nothing got done until I paid my future self first, period. Mm assuming I had enough money to pay all the bills after. Okay. But I was my number one bill. And as soon as I had enough money to buy a piece of real estate or buy some stock or something like that, I went out and did it. Okay, great. I need another paycheck so I can do that again. I'm going to go back to W2 world and go get another paycheck. I just kept doing that over and over. So when I had hard times at like, I don't want to go to the office today. It never really stressed me out because I knew why I was going. Mm. I just wanted the paychecks because I was systematically buying assets and real estate and starting businesses with it on the side. That's the mistake I think people make. And that's why I think people hate W2 world so much. They're just going with no stated purpose other than to make money. Right. That's fleeting. It's going to kill you at some point because you're going to be like, why am I here to make a piece of paper? Right. 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 It's got to be intentional. Intentional.
0: Right. Now now it sounds like Maurice um you mentioned you read some some books at age 21 it sounds like you started your career at a fairly young age so so how did you get like how how did your mind get opened to this concept of of building freedom i mean like was it mm-hmm. you, you mentioned you read a few books is it like a mentor that you observed how you know, what was that like moment
1: my original mentor was i I think it's aisle six, but my original mentor was aisle six of the Fairfax County, Virginia library. When, my, when I bought my first piece of real estate and it wasn't an investment, it was just a place to live in 2002, it was the beginning of a boom cycle, the place next door, same floor plan sold for 30 grand more three months later. And my father explained to me that I made 30 grand in equity and I didn't even know what the hell equity was. Yeah. So I went to the library, looked it up and I, and I just started reading. And I was like, what? You're telling me I can just buy a piece of property and make someone's salary in a transaction? That's insane. What else don't I know? (laughs) I just started reading a lot. It was typically financial books, real estate books, but actually, financial and real estate books are self help or personal development books, right? So, people are not, what people get wrong about investors like me is, oh, they're just making money. No, we're not. We are trying to better ourselves. We're trying to give ourselves a better lifestyle or we're trying to help other people have a better lifestyle or what have you. But that all, all came through self-education, all of it. And where it came to a head was in 2010, I found Tim Ferriss' 4-Hour Work Week, read that and everything clicked because I started creating and designing my lifestyle Preparing for the future, doing things like digitizing all my paper, getting rid of paper mail. I don't have any paper mail. Knowing that I, when I, whatever I would start a business like Quattro Capital, the business that I run now, I just, you know, we have two hundred million dollars in real estate. I just have this laptop, one cell phone, two virtual assistants, no brick and mortar, no employees, no nothing. I want that mobility and the ability to get up and go and disappear for four months at a time. Like I'm in Washington, D.C. right now, but in a week, I'll be back in the Mediterranean for a few months by choice and by designed life. Right. So it was reading all those books, financial books, and then coupling that with lifestyle design. Then I really hit the nail on the head. And now I coach people in lifestyle design so they can build lifestyle. They don't need a vacation from around the five freedoms that we talked about.
0: That's perfect segue into my, my question for you, Maurice, and this is kind of the pinnacle of why I brought you on the show today. So we have a lot mm-hmm. of business owners listening, be they, um, you know, owners of financial um, firms or real estate mm-hmm. investors or marketing mm-hmm. agency owners. I mean, you name it, we have a large gamut of people, coaches, consultants tuning in today. And yeah. one of the things that, um, you know, a lot of people struggle with. I think this is the bane of many business owners' existences. is, is they, they've they basically created a W-2 job for themselves in their own company. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you've met these people. I'm sure you mm-hmm. work with them on a regular basis through Tri Life On and Quattro Capital. But the entrepreneurs that find themselves in this boat I'd love it, Maurice, if you could just walk us through the most common reasons why you've seen this happen and then solutions for creating more freedom.
1: So, yes. So when I coach people, a lot of business owners, uh, a lot of people who come out of W2 world and they want to be an entrepreneur and they go buy a Subway sandwich shop or two or something like that, and they find themselves right back in a nine to five. Yeah. Because they didn't think about the lifestyle prior to thinking about the work life. Mm. So when I work with my coaching students, the way the way we do it is, what is your perfect day? Like, where, where do you want to be? What do you want it to feel like? Breeze coming off the Mediterranean Sea in Barcelona. I want to run a company from a computer. I want to have three phone calls with major investors that day. It's 2 p.m. I want to be out. I want to go hang out with my boy Noah. We can break bread and drink a glass of... We can drink a bottle of wine together and have a meaningful conversation about life. And I want to go home, see my kids, read a book... Okay, if that's your perfect day, all right. Then what is your personal blueprint on top of that? Like, what do you like to do? What is? What do you want your life to feel like? So I told you, for me, I want to be mobile. I don't want any damn employees. I don't want brick and mortar. I don't want anything to tie me down at all. That's my personal blueprint. Things that make me feel good on a day to day basis. I'm a minimalist in a, in a way. I'm a minimalist. Yeah. Okay. So what is the work blueprint that matches your personal blueprint that would get you to your perfect day? If I told you that I want to be mobile, then if I'm going to be buying Subway sandwich shops, then I better have a manager who can take care of all those Subway sandwich shops. Or if I've created a business, this is the problem. People create the business for the sake of creating the business without thinking about how the business is going to impact their life. So when I'm working with my coaching students who have created businesses, what we do is inevitably work with them to pull, inevitably to work to pull them out of the business. So meaning I'm working with a CPA now. He has a firm that he runs. We are working because he has a firm that he runs. It does bookkeeping and it also does CFO advisory stuff. And we are redesigning his lifestyle. So he's going to, him and his wife want to live in Jamaica. We are uh, moving some of their money to start buying real estate assets to generate passive income. And then from a work perspective, we're changing the work blueprint that he deals with. Mm. He's inserting an operations person in between him and the team. okay? and he's going to extract himself from the business. He's going to empower that person, pay them a ton of money because you really you don't. These are not the types of things that you want to skimp on. Right. I would rather make much less, but have the right ace in its place, have the right superstar doing the work. And if that doesn't work, then he's going to cut that part of the business off, the bookkeeping part, because he can do the CFO advisory stuff from anywhere, right? So even though he might make, I actually think he's going to make more money because he can charge more for the CFO advisory stuff. But even if he makes a little bit less money, which is not going to happen, he now has mobility to be with his wife, to live in Jamaica, to move around the planet, to live as intended, to plug into life and planet as intended, right? So it's a matter of re-engineering, but I highly encourage like college students who are going right into the work world, before you just go work for Amazon because the professor said it's the best company in the world right? and get stuck in San Fran where the cost of living is insane, think about what you want your lifestyle to be and design your work life around that. Pick that prior, you know, than just, okay, I'm going to go compete with everybody and get the best job. So that's how, how in general, we think about it. We, we re-engineer it. We got to work backwards.
0: Why is it Maurice that just so many people get this wrong? You know, like why? why have we as a society just skipped the due diligence of Mm -hmm. lifestyle design?
1: Because man, 20 to 30 years of formal education told us who to be, what to look like and what to do. We we dude when we were kindergartners, we, it was awesome. <laughs> we were we were we were throwing paint, we were eating crayons, we were outside exploring, we were digging up dirt. We were being creative and we were exploring what life is. When we get into elementary school and 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 grade school, you know, the, the yes sir, no sir, Johnny sit down, compliance starts to kick in and all that type of stuff. And then we go from compliance to the worst thing, I, I hate this, that we go into competition with each other. Mm. Who's going to be the MVP? Who's going to be the prom king, the prom queen? Who's going to make the AP classes? Who's going to get to Yale and the Ivy League school? And that shit goes right into college. And unfortunately, it goes right into the work world, the notion of competition. So Noah and Mo work for the same company uh, Noah's a manager, so I want to be a manager. Noah's now a senior manager, so I want to be a senior manager. Like, the, the the career highway is so crowded, everyone is just bumping into each other. Yeah. But I don't blame them because up upbringing, 20 to 30 years of formal education told us what we're supposed to do, right? Sit forward. Yes or no, ma'am. All the social media, TV commercials yeah. are telling you what to buy because we used to be a... Um, We used to be a a building society. Now we're a consumer society. So it's like for every problem, there's something to buy. And then it puts people into debt and then they just keep having to work, 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 work. Yes. It's this cycle. But nowhere along the path does someone say, wait a second, what is the style of life you would like to have? Or at least you're 21, you're not supposed to, you're not even supposed to know. But you can think about it and you can heavily explore and not just accept status quo as the default language that it is. Just because your your coworkers, your family, your peers, your neighbors are doing that doesn't mean that you have to do it. So it's just like in my corporate career, mo, you're analyst, manager or analyst, consultant, manager, senior manager and I was like, "Wait a minute. My next step was partner, but I was like, I'm I'm not really getting anywhere here. All that's happening is I'm getting more hours, I'm getting a little bit more pay, but all I'm I'm just functioning in these hallways. I don't want to do that. And people were so stunned. Some of the partners at the firm that I used to work for, by the way, I love, I'm not shitting on corporate. I love my firm. I'm very happy with my career. But the last time I got promoted was 2013. And I retired at 2021. And people were like, why aren't you partner? I'm like, nah, don't sweat it. And now when I see them, they're like, how did you do what you were doing? Yeah. How did you create all that real estate and all those businesses? And I said, because I wasn't chasing your version of success. I wasn't chasing society's version of success to have the highest title. I was chasing the version of success I learned from reading all those books, which is to have the most freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And I have it, I earned it. I worked my butt off for it and I'm teaching my kids how to do it. I teach my coaching students how to do it. Um, I don't know, that's just the way society is. So I don't know, when the herd, society is a good thing. We need to be together, we need each other. But don't just accept definitions. Mm. Explore, think for yourself, pick up a book, read it, or better yet, pick a book. Find someone who's doing what it is that you want to do and talk with them. Like what you're doing is a great service, bringing people like me onto your platform and expressing ideas so the listeners can think critically about, wait a minute, wait a minute, I own six Subway sandwich shops, I never see my kids, I'm sitting here, maybe it's time for me to redesign life. Maybe it's time for me to sell three of them so I can pay a manager to run the other three. So me and my wife can be in Barbados all the time. Yeah. Yeah. People got to think about life a little bit different.
0: Now it is part of, because I, you're absolutely, that was brilliant, Maurice. And one of the things that that you teach that really resonates with me is this idea of, of mapping out your ideal day, you know, like, what do you want? You know, well, a six figure salary, blah, blah, blah. But no, no. What do you concretely want?
1: Yeah, that's not what they want. That's what society is telling you want. But what do you want life to feel like? Where do you want to be? Who do you want to be with? What, what makes you freaking happy? What makes you go, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. Yeah. And the the reason for it, and you got me on a tangent, but the reason for it, man, is because no, uh, adults don't know how to dream anymore. That's it. Remember, I told you, kindergartners, we were good. We were dreaming all the time. You know why um, kids like athletes so much? Because they see in an athlete, especially professional ones, people that have achieved their dream. There's no professional athlete that didn't achieve their dream. Think about that. There's nobody playing sports right now. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to play sports for the salary. Right. No, they, they they see someone who has gotten to their dream. And what we do, compliance, competition, get the highest title, blah, blah, blah. It just drones you into a life of you get somewhere. I was just talking to my boy on another podcast. We were talking about C-suite people, CIOs, CFOs, CEOs who get up to the C-suite and they're like, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. Because they were just following the nominal path, right? Yeah. Uh, The dream day. It's so important because what it does is allow you to dream again, take off the gloves, and it gives you an excuse. And Noah. I'm telling you, I I've coached over 100 professionals at this point. Okay, the level when you see a grown man or a grown woman cry because they read to me their dream day and they want it so bad. Then, you know, there's something wrong. Yeah. Because uh, why then why are you going to work? What's the purpose of work? Well, I got to pay my bills. Wait a minute. The purpose of work is so you can live the way that you want to live. Well, I don't know how I want to live and write it down, like figure it out, write down your perfect day as much as you can so you can start gearing your actions towards getting it. That's how I coach people, man. So that that perfect day exercise, man, it's powerful because what it does is then people start going to work in my coaching. People start going back to work and they're like, I can't stay here. This is a waste. They start to see it. You can start to see it and feel it that it's like, holy shit. And then some people who are in corporate and they have money, or let's say a business owner who's done a great for himself and whatever, you know, they have money sitting in the bank or something or in their stocks and whatever. And they can literally transfer that wealth, create passive income today and totally change their life. But you know why many, I always say it, many can, most won't out of fear of being judged. And because it's somebody else's definition of success to have the $5 million sitting in the bank or $3 million in the stock market or something like that, when they could take that right now, go buy 10 single-family homes, cash flow it, and then create a lifestyle for their family that could be together, but they won't do it because they're afraid not to have the $5 million in the bank. Right. It's so crazy what people do, man. Anyways, the the dream day is is how... People can't, you know, I use it as a North star for how we design people's lives.
0: How one of the things that I love about you, Maurice, is that you don't care what other people think about you. No. And and do you think that that's got to be one of the key issues here is that everybody who won't break the mold and live unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just wouldn't you agree? It's that the, there must be this problem that they just care too much what other people think
1: about them. It's hard, we, 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 dude, I, I, listen, I care what people think about me. Right. Uh, What I, what I don't care about is like definitions and societal norms and I care if I'm doing the right thing, I care. But what I don't care about is like, check it out. When I was a police officer, because of what I did in the military as lieutenant colonel and federal agent, I have the qualifications to be a high ranking in a police department or even a chief of police. I can't. And there are a lot of federal agents who came out of my agency who run departments all over the country. And my boys um, on, the sh- on, the sh- on the shift were like, when are you going to be a sergeant? I don't want to be a sergeant. Well, why not? That's, you know, that's the nominal path. Dude, you should be a detective. You, I mean, you've, you've, you've investigated. I've done murders. I've done bribery. I've done fugitive retrievals. Why are you just a patrol officer? Mm. Because this is what makes me happy. In that case, I didn't want to be the leader. I just wanted to be back in the huddle with the fellas on the football field. And for me, the huddle when I was a police officer was roll call. And then we would go out on the street and take care of each other and take care of good people and citizens and do right by people and all that type stuff. Now, if I care about people's opinions, they're like, you're a pretty senior patrol officer. I don't care. You have this one life to live, man. And if you start living it for other people, you're gonna wake up at age 90 with a lot of regret. And I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a military guy, police officer. I've been shot at. I've been in very bad situations. I've been in high speed chases. I've been in very bad parts of the world. I don't have, I'm not in, I'm not inhuman. I know I can be killed, I, but I don't have fear of like dying. You know, what I have fear of regret. Mm. You don't want to be and I and I went to a I went to a funeral home and I volunteered off of a challenge thing and I stayed there for 2 days. Not funeral home, sorry. Uh retirement home. Yeah. Stayed there for a few days and just just talking to people, man, in the 70s, 80s and 90s. Wow. None of them, none of them were talking about money. None of them. None, they were all talking about the shit they didn't do. Wow. The place they didn't go, the girl they didn't marry, the guy they didn't ask out, the The business they didn't build in certain cases, nobody gave a shit about norms and it's all stuff they didn't do. And here we are under societal pressure, not becoming a police officer because I'm a senior executive making 200 grand. It will look weird if I go down to being a police officer and make 60 grand. I was happy to do that because I wanted that experience in my life before my life was done. So you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's not that I don't care. I care but I'm not interested in people's definition of what my life is supposed to be like. And that goes back to me growing up in inner city Boston, and everybody being like, yo, to make money, you have to be an athlete or you need to do this or you need to buy cars and have rings. And I was like, that shit is stupid. I want to travel the world. So I travel yeah. the world instead. So, no, people's opinions. If you're doing right by people and by society, they'll have good opinions of you. But I'm not interested in what people think I'm supposed to be. I'm interested in living my life how I want for myself.
0: One of the things that's unfortunate and I've I've traveled, you know, pretty extensively myself around the world. And um, I don't think it's just a United States thing, but it's certainly more prevalent is, you know, when we introduce the United States here. I'll just use it. I know what
1: you're about to say.
0: (laughs) We're we're obsessed with labels, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. You know? We are totally obsessed with, obsessed with labels. And hey, Noah, what do you what do you do for a living? And yeah, what's your what's your what's your title? One of the one of the reasons I think I'm so blessed is the because I have been to a hundred countries, three hundred times. Mm. Because what you quickly learn is that there are most people in the world are working to live, not living to work. And most people are living off less. And in foreign countries, in non-Western, let's just talk about the U.S., Yeah, the first thing people ask you is not what you do for a living. They just ask, who are you? Where are you from? Like, why are you here? How can I help you? It, we, we have this notion of the first or second thing out of our mouth, who do you work for? What do you do? It's just, a, it's just it, I think it messes us up because then what that makes people want to be able to say is I'm a doctor or I'm a lawyer when they never want it to be. They want it to be the pottery maker. Right. Or they want it to be the garbage truck guy. By the way, garbage truck dudes make like 120 a year. Like they're making That's... a lot of money. Yeah. I, this this notion of titles and uh, this notion of titles as a label of success is killing people. Because they're climbing corporate ladders, trying to get a certain level of notoriety through a title, and even taking titles without the associated pay, or taking Mm -hmm. more time away from family to get that particular title, when the the truth of it is, nobody cares. No. 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 And you know what? You only have a certain amount of time. Check this out. You remember Prince? Yes. The, the, The singer. When was the last time you thought about Prince?
0: It's been a while.
1: Prince was the most famous man on the planet, and no one says his name anymore. He's gone. You don't have that much time on this planet to be messed up. No one cares. It Like, you, when Prince passed away, probably for a week or something, the world mourned, and then the world moved on. The fact that you don't have executive vice president title, nobody gives a shit. Do what makes you happy, because you only have 28,000 days in the average 80-year lifespan i'm forty seven. I got ten thousand five hundred and eighty something left. I'm not playing around trying to get a title so I can impress Johnny Neighbor down the street. It no. just doesn't make sense. I feel bad for people who are wrapped up in titles because it, it makes no sense. I'll give you one more example. this is This is a good one. So I made Lieutenant Colonel in the military. Grateful. Yeah. The next step was to make Colonel. When I hit Lieutenant Colonel, ideally, Lieutenant Colonels, and it's it's appropriate. Typically, go back to headquarters to start writing policy and things of that nature, and you do that because you've done so much in the field that you can help write new policy to affect the agency and all that type of stuff, which is great. Yeah, but I'm not a policy dude. I'm a I'm a I'm a human person. I like to be out there in the field with my people. And my my, generally people are like, aren't you going to go for colonel? It's like no. Well, why wouldn't you go for colonel? You're right there. You can retire as a colonel. You're three years. Like. It's not a goal. It's, it's not a, you'll have more prestige and notoriety. I'm like, dude, I just came here to serve. It, it's good. I'm done. I'm going to retire as a lieutenant colonel and be on my way. Anyways, it just gets people, because then I would have stayed in the service for three more years doing something I don't, didn't want to do. I didn't want to write policy, right? So I don't know. I, I, I think it's messing up a lot of people's lives, the fact that they are so wrapped up in getting a particular title and that leads back to society and competition the way that I've been talking about.
0: Maurice, you went. You mentioned regret a little while ago, and, yes. and I'm curious, you've achieved a lot in the form of wealth and relationships and time and geographical freedom, um, so much so that you're influencing and impacting others. But if you could coach your younger self, what would you tell him to do differently?
1: Man, <clears throat> I have done a lot. I mean, I've lived, I've lived four or five lifetimes already the way that I and I mean that genuinely, just based on kind of my career paths and all that type of stuff, but I'm not sure I would have I wouldn't change my journey, but I would tell him to exit earlier.
0: Mm.
1: My father I'll express what I mean like i'm i'm 47 and i'm I am from a business perspective, I am doing a lot, but I'm kind of ramping down at the same time. Mm. like for example, in real estate stuff, I'm deleveraging, I'm paying off a lot of loans. I don't expect to grow massively from here, right? Yeah. I expect to live massively Yeah, a lot. My dad, who was a 35-year educator for the Boston Public School System, retired when he was 62. I believe he was 62 when he retired. He could have done early retirement at 55. I talked with him about it, and he said, I regret it. I regret not giving myself those seven years of more time to do more stuff with you and your brother and your mother. And I was busy longer than I needed to be busy. Yeah. I exited W-2 roughly age 46, but I had the, I had the financial capacity to exit uh, seven years earlier. I still made the right decision, but what I'm suggesting is I, I was so focused on the business stuff so much, I missed out on a lot. I did. And I'm trying to make up for it. And I'm only 47, dude. I'm like, I'm, I'm relatively young. But once time is gone, time is gone. You're not really, you can't get it back. Yeah. So the, the advice to my younger self is, or anyone is, listen, once you get your basic needs covered by passive income or business or a virtual job or something, lean into life quickly. Lean into it. And get out there and do whatever it is that you want to do that's living. For me, living is immersing in culture and traveling. So even as you know, I'm, in, I'm here with you now and next week I'll be in Beirut, Lebanon because I want to do some philanthropy work, I'm out. I need to go do that. I want to go do that, right? Lean into life as early as possible. I think growing business is great, but to what end? When, when are you going to take some of the chips off the table and actually go live life the way that you were intended to do it?
0: Travel and geographic freedom is a big part of, of what you do and who you are, Mm -hmm. Maurice. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, fortunately people tuning in who, you know, whether they're financially or free or not, you know, people who are bringing in, um, you know, a higher income have the ability to travel. And, you know, as we become more global as a world, there's even more opportunities for other folks, but I just love it to hear it in your words. You know, what has travel done for you as a human being? Yeah.
1: Well, first off, I just wanted to spell one thing that you said. I I know it's obviously easier to travel when you have money, Yeah. but I've been traveling since I was 21 and I did not have money. (laughs) I did not have money. There are like, one of my coaching students is learning how to travel hack. I'm kind of coaching her and stuff. And she went up to the airport in Dallas uh, last Tuesday, just went up to airport desk and was like, how much is a round-trip ticket? What's the cheapest round-trip ticket to Mexico in the next week? And one airline had a round-trip ticket to Cabo for $175 the next day. She took it. She flew down to Cabo and she lived down there for a few days. People are mistakenly associating travel as expensive. Yeah. It's expensive if you do it expensively. Right. But the way that I travel is I have a, you know, I have one credit card for the, let me see. I got one. Business credit card, here's my personal credit card, and here's my business credit card, right? And each of those credit cards are tied to United Airlines. The reason I chose United Airlines because I'm based in DC. DC is a big United hub, and United and its family of airlines flies to Europe and the Mideast, and that's typically where I go. So I picked that airline to be loyal to. I learned how to travel hack. So I'm constantly going places for very, very cheap, right? Like when I fly to Beirut next week, I won't pay for the flight to Frankfurt, but I'll pay 200 bucks to get down to Beirut from Frankfurt. I just want to call that out. Travel right. is expensive if you do it expensively. All right. And especially if you're working on freedom of relationship and friends, the next time you go back, you ain't paying to stay anywhere. You're staying with friends. Right. I'm always with friends. Um, I lost the original question now. Uh, my bad. I went off on a tangent. I lost the original question. That was question.
0: brilliant. Yeah. I was just, what has travel done for you?
1: Oh, yeah. So listen, we, vacation is. Escaping your world. Yeah. Travel is exploring your world. Travel just makes the world smaller. So I know I can be in Turkey tomorrow. I can be in Beirut tomorrow. I can be in Helsinki, Finland tomorrow. Um, I can get down to Mexico today. The world is very small for me. Yeah. I've pulled it in. And for other people, the notion of getting on a plane is this big, gigantic ordeal. And for me, going to the airport is like a bus station and getting on an airplane is like a bus with wings. It's nothing for me. But what it has done for me overall, my interaction with so many people around the world, I've become a very empathetic person. Because I, if you think about it, corporate, police, military, international people, I've been blue collar, white collar, no collar. Yeah. I can brief a CEO, I can talk to a four-star general, or I can sit down with a homeless dude on the side of the street who's having a mental health breakdown and have a great conversation with them. But I can also go overseas and understand that cultural differences exist and you have to be patient with people. There may be someone saying something to you or you having some level of like trying to extend your hand because you think that that's the right thing to do. And in that country, it's the wrong thing to do. You learn to be patient with people and you learn that other people's problems Man, you think we have problems in the U.S.? No, we don't. Yeah. Go to Lebanon. Go to Turkey in Syria where they had that earthquake where there's nothing anymore. Travel gave me the world. Honestly, it gave me empathy and sympathy for certain things. It gave me languages. I speak four languages. It gave me happiness in that, yes, even us as adults, man, we can still go be the kindergartners because every time I get to some new place or even when I go back to Lebanon or Turkey or whatever it's going to be, I feel like a kid again because I don't know anything. Yeah, I was born in New York, raised in Boston, live in DC. I know the East Coast of the United States. I know how to roll in a city. I got that. I was a street cop for 15 years. Got it. Grew up in Boston. Got it. Yeah, but if I go to, I don't know, Egypt. I've never been to Egypt. I get to learn something and do something different. That's what travel does for me, man. It keeps me in a state of constant learning. I feel like I'm living all the time through exploring the world.
0: Oh, man, I love it. I love it. Well, Maurice, I know we're coming up on time, but if you could just give some parting wisdom, some parting thoughts to our listeners today as they end this podcast episode and go on with their days, what would you leave us with?
1: I would tell people that you can try life on at any time. It's a choice. You can literally practice life. So when I was talking about my coaching student who got on a plane and went down to Mexico, she didn't go down there to sit at a resort. She went down there to, she rented a room in someone's house. She went to the library to do her work. She would go to the grocery store. She was meeting real estate agents down there, practicing being a real estate investor, making some friends in the in the neighborhood, because at some point she wants to live down there. So she's practicing life. Mm. She's going to try life on in a very different way. So the service providers that you have listening to this or the coaches or the people who own the Subway sandwich shops or franchises or whatever, you're not stuck. You can redefine lifestyle such that you can go try life on now. There is something that you want to do that you have not done because you are worried about the opinions of others. The fact that I get on planes and fly, let's say, to Turkey to go sit at my favorite restaurant to read a book for three days and come right back. I don't care what people think about that. I do it all the time. I try life on all the time my way. Now, I'm not telling people to do the types of things that I do. What I'm suggesting to people is start doing the things that you want to do now. Just get those opinions away from you, man, and live your life because we only have this one life to live, man. So I would just tell people that, hey, you can make a conscious decision to try life on right now. Go out and practice it, understanding the first time you do it, it's not going to be the best time. But the, the third time you do it, it's going to get even better.
0: I love that. Well, Maurice Philogene, it's been uh, an honor having you on the podcast. I love the work you're doing. Please keep it up, brother. You are uh, an asset to all those that, that consume your content. And thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
1: It's been a pleasure, my man. Anytime.